I'm Greg Oliar. Four years ago, I stopped writing novels to report on the crimes of Donald Trump and his associates. In 2018, I wrote a best-selling book about it, Dirty Rubles. In 2019, I launched Prevail, a bi-weekly column about Trump and Putin, spies and mobsters, and so many traitors! Trump may be gone, but the damage he wrought will take years to fully understand. Join me and a revolving crew of contributors and guests as we try to make sense of it all. This is Prevail. Thanks to Noemi for supporting Muller, she wrote. Noemi designs and manufactures everything in-house and sells directly to consumers with a lifetime warranty and free shipping. Go to hellonoemi.com slash AG and get $50 off your first purchase with promo code AG. And thanks to Daily Harvest for supporting Muller, she wrote. Daily Harvest makes it easy to eat more fruits and vegetables with thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted foods that can be prepared in five minutes or less. Go to dailyharvest.com and enter AG25 to get $25 off your first box. And thanks to Third Love for supporting Muller, she wrote. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering you 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash AG to find yours today. This is Sarah Kenzier from Gaslit Nation, and you're listening to Muller, she wrote. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That's what he said. That's what I said. That's obviously what our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I did not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today are Jordan Coburn. Hello. And Mandy Reeder. Hello. How are you? Great. Mm -hmm. Great. Yep. My cat brought me a mouse yesterday. Yikes. Uh, that video should definitely go on the main Muller She Wrote Twitter, if it hasn't already. Should I put it on the main Muller She Wrote Twitter? Well, you know what? Maybe not. It's definitely the bleaker <laughs> version of Tom and Jerry. Mouses were harmed in yeah. the making of this video, but not by me. Maybe um, 100,000 people don't want to see a dead mouse, no, but it is pretty funny. So. <laughs> the poor guy. He was bringing me a present. Mm-hmm. Anyone with podcasts knows this is what happens. You get lizards, you get mice. <laughs> um, Surprise treat in the night. I got a baby squirrel one time. Oh, oh my God. Yeah. I just He's like that he tough. felt the need to wake you up for it. He, he did. I, yeah, I was in bed. <laughs> Matt, Matt, Matt. And I just turned the video recorder on. It was dark in the room because he was just making such funny sounds. And then it, it wouldn't stop. So I had to turn the light on to investigate. And <laughs> he was like, Mom, I got a present for you. Eek a mouse. <laughs> um, we have a great show today with an interview with CNN legal analyst and former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig. Um, We have a lot of good news, a lot of good news about some longtime Mueller cases and some not so good news. We have more secret meetings between top U.S. officials and Russians that we had to learn about from Russian state media and the return of some ghosts of the White House past. So uh, I just wanted to prep you because this is going to be like an old school, like couple years ago uh, episode Mm. of, of Mueller, she wrote. Um, I also uh, haven't told you all this yet. I did bring this up on the Daily Beans, but we were offered um, quite a bit of money to advertise for Bloomberg. We turned it down. 
Uh, so help us combat the boatload of money we turned down by heading to <laughs> patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote. Uh, and um, we would appreciate your support there. If you can support women in podcasting, all goes, t- all goes towards like paying really uh, high wages and getting health care for everybody on the team. So um, it really helps us out. So if you can, uh, since we turned down that holy majoli amount of money, um, if he comes back after a, a, a nominee is chosen and wants to do more anti-Trump ads, I'll take that money all day. Mm-hmm. But I just didn't want to. Mm-hmm. I was trying to stay neutral. Mm-hmm. Um, but before we get to the news, uh, which we have a lot of, let's let's do this segment of corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. Oh, I made a mistake. Okay, so from Kathleen Garner, I love hearing about Jordan's hippie nature sh- uh, shirts. <laughs> She's wearing one now. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> she's wearing a wolf shirt. Okay, we're gonna have to put a picture of that in the newsletter. <laughs> when we have to has to make that happen. Uh, and I actually thought it said I love hearing about Jordan's hippie nature shit. Uh, I, I read it incorrectly. Shirts. I can't poop in the wild. <laughs> Don't go to Woodstock. Also, I think she says could be wrong. Estonia does countrywide elections on digital misinformation because Russia. Uh, producer note for Mandy, it turns out many Baltic countries are educating citizens on Russian disinformation, including Finland, Latvia, Lithuania, and Estonia. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they do like they teach you how to sort out Russian disinformation on social media. Yeah, we need those. I didn't know Very that. Cool. We need those lessons. Mm-hmm. Um, from Anonymous, I like you guys not playing favorites too much with the primary. Thank you. You're welcome. Uh, you, inc- you incorrectly claim Buttigieg's Iowa-, Iowa support was more clustered. In fact, the opposite is true. He won more precincts and counties than anyone and was viable in more precincts and counties than anyone. Mm. That's how he won the most SDE without winning the popular vote. Check the New York Times detailed map for visuals. It'll make it clearer. Love y'all. Uh, thank you, Anonymous. Uh, from Lisa Russo, longtime listener and patron. Love what you do every day. You help me keep my sanity in these trying times. Just a clarification of a very common misconception regarding Jordan's comment on February 13th about not liking what Amazon does to small businesses. Fun fact, more than 50% of sellers on Amazon are actually third-party small businesses like mine. Uh, Amazon does a really good job of not making that clear, <laughs> but here we are. That's awesome. She says, I'm an artisan in Amazon's handmade division. That's handmade. Handmade. <laughs> Can we use a different word? <laughs> um, <laughs> of Jeff. <laughs> uh, which is much like Etsy and made up by folks like me who create uh, at home and simply use Amazon as a marketplace. That's awesome. Thank you again. And seriously, no fault of Jordan. It's very common misconception. Yeah, that's very cool. I guess I was thinking brick and mortar. Right, right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I knew that too. I did. Yeah. But, but like I didn't even think about it when, when you said mm-hmm. it because I'm I'm so used to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, from Eve Locke, amazing podcast. You clearly put so much love into this, and it shows. Not exactly a correction, but on the subject of why space buns are called space <laughs> buns. I think the top three reasons are Xenon, Sailor Moon, and Princess Leia. Yes. <laughs> that makes so much sense, space buns. Mm-hmm. I get it now. Uh, those are corrections. If you have a correction for us, head to MullerSheWrote.com, click Contact, select Corrections, and build us a compliment sandwich. We'll get it right eventually. We do have a lot of news to get to this week, so let's kick it off with just the facts. All right, so we had a massive week in the corruption of the Justice Department since we spoke last. Um, Let's begin with Roger Stone. As you know, probably, early in the week, the four prosecutors that have been working on the Stone case for over a year now filed their sentencing recommendation with the court. 
uh, and they followed the Trump administration's sentencing guidelines. Trump came out with new guidelines since he took office. He changed them, uh, and they're the new guidelines that all U.S. federal prosecutors must follow, and uh, rolled them back to Bush and Reagan guidelines, stating that a prosecutor, as a prosecutor, you must recommend uh, the sentencing guidelines the maximum, the high end of the sentencing guidelines in all cases. Uh, and that actually is a Trump thing. That's He, mm-hmm. he asked for that. Uh, I think it was him in Sessions at the time. That's his rule. So these four prosecutors did that in the Stone case. They recommended the max sentencing guideline and then added an eight-point upward variance for physical threats in the witness intimidation charge, as is outlined in the sentencing guidelines for upward variance. The reporting was that there was some deliberation among top officials at Maine Justice about this, a little back and forth. But in the end, Barr's new handpicked U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia put his name on the sentencing memo, Timothy Shea, and it was filed with Judge Jackson. Well, Tuesday night, Bill Barr decided to personally intervene in the case and told the judge to ignore the first sentencing recommendation the next day and that he would be making a new one for, quote, far less jail time. And Barr's new recommendation just happened to come after a tweet from Trump that the sentencing recommendation for his friend of 30 years was a, quote, miscarriage of justice. It was a disgrace. Uh, Within minutes of the news breaking wide, uh, one after the other, with minute after minute, all four prosecutors working on this case filed motions to withdraw from the case. And one of them resigned from the DOJ altogether. Uh, Now... Barr says he made the decision before the Trump tweet was sent and then went on ABC in an interview, a bombshell interview, quote unquote, I think it was (laughs) rigged, uh, saying that he wished Trump would stop tweeting because it made his job, it made it impossible for him to do his job. Oddly, Trump wasn't upset about Barr's interview, probably because Barr says he went to Trump and told him, gave him a heads up about the interview before it aired. In fact, I'm quite certain. Now, those are facts. Here's the beans. I'm quite certain the entire fight between Trump and Barr is staged. Uh, No one flipped out when Barr did the same thing in the Flynn case. Uh, If you remember, the first sentencing recommendation in Flynn's case was zero to six months. Then there was a revised sentencing memo adding probation would be appropriate because Flynn was in the army and people in the army are extra awesome and should be given leniency when they commit federal fucking felonies. Uh, I think they should be held to a higher standard. Mm Uh, But that's just me. When I was in the military, I was always, quote, held to a higher standard. So uh, maybe it was the titties. I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe it was the titties. (laughs) New shirt. Maybe it was. Uh, Anyhow, we also learned this week that the guy who initially signed off on the seven to nine year sentence recommendation for Stone at Maine Justice, who's the new U.S. attorney in the District of Columbia, that's the one that Barr handpicked. Uh, someone who served as his top, one of his top advisors, had replaced Jesse Liu. Jesse Liu had been overseeing multiple high-profile Mueller cases, including Roger Stone, Mike Flynn, and Andrew McCabe. Last year, when the grand jury failed to return an indictment on Andy McCabe for lacking candor, which is a term is not a term of art in criminal law, Trump tried to re- to move Liu out of her job as U.S. attorney into the Justice Department. Hey, I got this great new job for you: third and play at third in line at the Justice Department, assistant uh, associate deputy attorney general to the assistant or something. But she didn't leave. And we know the circumstances of that, but she did step aside this time, February 3rd, to take a job as the undersecretary, one of the undersecretaries at the Treasury Department. Now, usually, and I've talked to a few folks about this, when a U.S. attorney leaves their post, which sometimes happens because they're promoted to another agency or department, usually they don't leave the U.S. attorney's office until they're confirmed by the Senate. But in this case, Barr told Jesse Liu, you have to go now. 
And then Trump, after she resigned, yanked the nomination at the Treasury Department out mm-hmm. from under her. Mm-hmm. So this was another unprecedented mm-hmm. way of, yeah, of getting her out. Getting her out. Mm-hmm. So those are the facts. More super space beans here. The entire bar Trump fight is staged to possibly pave the way for Barr to resign before he has to testify March 31st. Oh, that would be insane. In the House Judiciary Committee. Now, tin, that is super tinfoil. That is mm-hmm. super space beans on that. But he actually agreed to testify after this entire scandal went down, but not until March 31st. And to me, that gives him enough time to sabotage Flynn and Stone, stage a fake fight with Trump, get a bunch of people to ask him to resign, and then resign so he doesn't have to testify March 31st. I wouldn't put it past him at all. I mean, Trump is a reality TV guy, right? Yes. He knows how to spin a narrative. Yes. And Trump didn't get mad when Mm -hmm. when Barr said, he makes my job hard. Mm -hmm. Uh, And that is something that Trump would totally get mad about. It does appear, according to the Washington Post, that right after the impeachment, the investigations into Rudy Giuliani were ramped up where we have thought they were fading. It'll be interesting to see if Rudy isn't the sacrificial lamb in the plot to make uh, us think that Barr is an independent attorney general. Hmm. They might throw Rudy under the bus, indict him, and then Barr can say, look, casino hands, I'm not corrupt, and then resign, not have to testify March 31st, and everyone thinks he's a fucking hero. Yeah, that's similar thinking to the indictments brought against Parnas and Freeman, too. 100 mm-hmm. percent and and there's uh, some stories later on we'll go over um from cnn that came out a little bit later after after this story came out that berman who is the southern district of new york attorney general has pushed back quite a bit uh although they use the word bristle which to me just means you know <laughs> that doesn't mean like uh you know a pushback um but he's pushed back quite a, a bit against Barr specifically interfering in, or trying to interfere mm-hmm. or micromanage cases in the Southern District of New York. And we'll get to that. I feel like Trump would have a really tough time finding someone as good as Barr for him. For him, yeah. Mm-hmm. Roy Cohn's dead. Maybe they could just resurrect, exhume his body and yeah. tie strings to his arms. Paint. Yeah. Eyes. Weekend at Roy's. Eyes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. I'm Roy Cohn. Oh, God. Lazarus. Uh, Well, stay with us. We have more news after the break, including an update on Andy McCabe. And later on, I will speak with former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig about what he thinks is really going on at Maine Justice. Stay with us. Hey, everybody. This segment of Mueller She Wrote is brought to you by Noemi. If you've shopped for jewelry, you know how ridiculously expensive it can be. But Noemi believes that luxury jewelry doesn't have to be overpriced. So they cut out the middleman to deliver exceptionally fine jewelry without the traditional retail markups. Uh, Noemi designs and manufactures everything in-house, and they do such a wonderful job at it. Their designers are incredible, and they sell directly to consumers with a lifetime warranty and free shipping both ways. You can save an average of 50% compared to other luxury brands. Authenticity is guaranteed with IGI certificate detailing color clarity and appraisal value, and you can personalize with engravings and even order custom designs. And best of all, you can return any order for a full refund, even engravings and custom designs. It's literally entirely risk-free. You can even use flexible payment options with no hidden costs and no extra charges. Read the thousands of five-star reviews on their website and see for yourself. Uh, I just got the custom personalized necklace with my name on it, appraised retail value, Thirty-seven seventy-five at Noemi. It starts at three hundred ninety bucks. If you're looking for quality fine jewelry made to last a lifetime from a luxury brand you can trust, it's Noemi. I absolutely love the, uh, this company. They have thousands of five-star reviews. Read some, see why people are raving, and then go to hellonoemi.com/ag to see their collection, and you'll get fifty dollars off your first purchase with promo code AG. That website is h e l l o n o e m i e dot com/ag, and don't forget to use promo code AG for fifty. Off your purchase. Okay, welcome back. 
Some great news, albeit a tad concerning. The Justice Department has finally told Andy McCabe they're not going to file criminal charges against him for lacking candor during his Inspector General and FBI interviews in Yay. 2016. They got Yay. off the pot. Yeah, I was either <laughs> should or get off the pot. They finally got off the pot. So given everything that's going on at Maine Justice with Bill Barr coming under immense mounting pressure to stop kissing Trump's ass, the timing is odd here. But we could have seen this coming because remember way back when we reported that the judge in the case told the Justice Department it had to shit or get off the pot, fish mm-hmm. or cut bait, mm-hmm. either release all the firing documents related to the FOIA case or it had to close the case. And we knew because we're not stupid, that the Justice Department was just stringing this along, hoping that a crime would fall out of the sky that they could charge Andy with. Andy. Uh, And now, with the new release of the hearing transcripts from the FOIA case, filed by the Citizens for Responsibility and Ethics in Washington, where I want to work when I grow up, that is exactly (laughs) what the Justice Department did. I read all 81 pages of this release, and yes, some of the things are still redacted, but what's clear is the pattern. Mm -hmm. First hearing in this uh, release was July 9th of last year. There was an ex parte discussion between the judge and camera. Reggie Walton is the judge, and the Justice Department, in which the judge was to decide how long the plaintiff's declaration, that's the, the bad guys, could remain under seal. The judge decided to keep that declaration under seal for 60 more days. He gave the Department of Justice 60 more days. They met again September 9th. During that hearing, the Justice Department promised they'd only need a few more days. Literally, we'll have a decision literally within days. And uh, the judge gave him three weeks to be safe. And the judge put that order in. Next hearing was September 30th. The Justice Department said, hey, super sorry. We were wrong. Uh, We're going to need three more months. And Judge Walton uh, bristled. (laughs) (laughs) saying, I don't know why it's difficult for a decision to be made. Either you have a case or you don't. He went on to say, I spent a lot of time in that office. I had to make a lot of decisions as number three in the U.S. Attorney's Office. Sometimes you just got to make a call. I would hope the government would expeditiously move this matter along because obviously the plaintiffs have a right under the statute to receive whatever information they're entitled to receive. And it seems to me, from the standpoint of Mr. McCabe, he has the right to have the government make a decision and not hold his life in limbo pending a decision as to what's going to happen. How long was he in limbo for? Uh, well, the first hearing was July 9th Mm -hmm. and it was this week. Uh, now it was going on earlier than that too, Mm -hmm. when they, when they opened the investigation, uh, the judge continued, I don't think people like the fact that you got somebody at the top basically trying to dictate whether somebody should be prosecuted. I just think it's a banana republic when we go down that road and we have those types of statements being made that are conceivably, even if not influencing the ultimate decision. Uh, I think there are a lot of people on the outside who perceive that there is undue, inappropriate pressure being, being brought to bear. Walton said, fuck you, I'm not giving you three months. And he gave him six weeks. And they met again November 15th. In November, several filings were submitted to the DOJ. They continued to ask for more time. Uh, And these filings were submitted by a DOJ as to why the firing documents should not be released and why the initial declaration should remain under seal. Having gone through these filings, much of it's redacted, and we still don't know what happened in the sealed declaration or in the ex parte hearings. But the deadline was this week, and it appears the DOJ could not find anything to indict McCabe on, so they told him they weren't going to file charges. Uh, I'm not sure if the deadline here is coincidence, it's set by the court, or if this was timed to give Barr the appearance of acting independently from the president in the midst of this week. Because once this came out, Trump was mad. The reports, and I'll go over this uh, a little bit uh, in, in our other show, in our sister podcast, The Daily Beans, but the reports are that people had to calm him down. But it's clear in hearing uh, 
in hearing after hearing, they were simply leaving the case open again to try in desperation to find anything they could indict McCabe on to appease the president. This case should have been closed last summer. I hate imagining what calming him down looks like. I know. I've thought about this, too. <laughs> like, what do you, like, get a... And is that happening every five minutes? Yeah, it's just, it's weird. Like when there's a head of a girls club, you know, and she's, like, freaking out or something, and all of her chicks that are trying to be in her position one day are like, it's okay, Vicky, your eyebrows are perfect. And they're just, like, they're all kneeling down, like, you don't need him. Yes. <laughs> don't put a bro you are, Jordan. Chicks. <laughs> <laughs> I refer to myself as a chick. Never call chicks broads. Okay. Yes. <clears throat> you it's only because I exclusively wore sweatsuits in high school that I am jealous of Becky's. Tracky dacks. <laughs> nice. I learned that term. Tracky dacks. Playing D&D. Apparently that's what they call tracksuits uh, in Australia. Really? Sweatpants. They also call flip-flops thongs, like the ones that you put on your feet. We did that in Arizona. So really? So not too exotic. Oh, yeah. nice. Arizona's weird too. Um, I do have a list. I do have a listener. I do have a message. I spoke to Andy. Uh, I asked, where's the party? He said he and his wife are going on a nice vacation. Um, and but he I asked if there are any message that you want to send mm-hmm. to the listeners. And he has a message for you. So here it is. Right. He says, you and the MSW nation have been a total bright spot for us in a very dark time. Stand up for what you believe in, even when it's hard and don't blink. Nobody ever won a fight by giving up. Hell yeah. That's really powerful. So thanks. I'm going to remember that in 40 years. And what I did, I actually, I I put that out on Twitter and then I said, hey, I have an idea because we got so many messages of support. I'm like, reply below with a, if you have a message for Andy. Mm -hmm. And uh, I've sent him the link to the feed. It's got, we've got over 500 like supportive comments Mm. and and they're just really wonderful. So thank you all for responding to that. I bet Andy's either going to be really mad that I tweeted it out and didn't say it on the podcast or... (laughs) Uh, he's going to just be like overwhelmed by all of the support that he probably doesn't know he has. Yeah. Because he's not on Twitter. Right. Mm-hmm. And it's like folks like him, they're not really meant to be political celebrities, really. You know, they yeah. go their whole lives just being more or less unsung heroes in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And now he's sort of been catapulted into this position that's in the limelight. And I think uh he's such a lovable person mm. and you never get to see those yeah you just never get to see the faces of those people so the yeah. support that he does have now i imagine is like a new kind of support that he's getting and i hope he takes it and enjoys it well, this yeah. lawless president has brought a lot of heroes to our attention mm-hmm. yeah i was just gonna say there's so many Zindemann, people who, Yovanovich. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. he would have otherwise served quietly who mm-hmm. <laughs> have been thrust into the spotlight who could not mm-hmm. exactly they just wanted Page to serve their country quietly struck Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Vindeman's brother, who didn't really do anything but be Vindeman's brother. Yeah, right? I was like, why are you firing him too? Just because he looks the same? Because they're twins? I, I don't want to see your face. So you have to go to <laughs> Yes, exactly. seriously. That's probably it. Literally. Is, yes. You look too much like him. You have to go. Turn around. <laughs> they're probably like a lot of their other policy decisions basing it off of faulty science. 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 <laughs> science. Like, also, the twins way, have the same thoughts. When he they can't both um, be in here. <laughs> that speech last week, the way he said Vindman. 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 Like dripping with disdain. Yes. Oh, gross. Vindman. Yeah, he's Alexander gross. Vindman. Oh. You know what? I hate myself for doing Trump impressions. I'm going to stop now. That's <laughs> okay. I, I live with it every day <laughs> in myself. Uh, also <laughs> in the news, and this is uh, this episode is so old school. I'm so excited. Uh, I mean, it's shitty news. Pompeo had a secret meeting with Sergei Lavrov in Munich this week, München. And of course, we had to learn about it from Russian media because America press, American press was not allowed in. The State Department made no announcement about the meeting, and Pompeo's aides provided no readout of the meeting after it ended. 
Russian journalists, however, were aware of the meeting in advance. They put it on Facebook. Despite the advance notice for everyone in Russia, the State Department is referring to the meeting as a pull-aside. Uh, why don't you just have it in the Seychelles then? Um, pull-aside. That sounds weird. Yeah. Uh, one Russian journalist said the U.S. side had requested there be no press conference or joint statement and that photographers were not invited to take pictures of the two shaking hands. Totally normal behavior. <laughs> and here's the thing. If none of this shit went down in 2016 and none of it continued to go down, it would be totally normal for the Secretary of State to meet publicly mm-hmm. with La- Sergei Lavrov, yeah. shake hands, maybe give him a stare down or something, and and like have a read out of the meeting and have people take photos of it. That mm-hmm. would be totally normal. This is consciousness of guilt. Mm-hmm. And it's homecoming week at the White House as Trump has rehired Sean Spicer and Reince Priebus. What? What? So you're the... Mo. Mo. The two will each join the president's commission on White House fellowships. They'll be responsible for interviewing and recommending finalists for appointments to the fellowship program in the White House. Oh. But that's not all. Hope Hicks is returning to the White House to be Jared Kushner's special assistant, as is Johnny McEntee, who is expected to take over the office that oversees presidential appointments. We reported that McEntee left the White House unceremoniously after being kicked out by John Kelly because the Department of Homeland Security was looking into serious financial crimes. So that guy is going to be in charge of presidential appointments. Uh, That reporting, by the way, on McEntee was Mueller, she wrote, episode 20. Uh, to give you a little bit of that twenty, yeah, give you a little bit of a, like a frame of reference here, a little curatorial journalism. When McEntee <laughs> was kicked out during that show, we reported Andy McCabe had been fired by Jeff Sessions in a tweet. We reported Cambridge Analytica had stolen Facebook data from fifty million users. The Minority Report was issued by the House Intelligence Committee on Russia, which was the basis for our fantasy indictment league. Nastya Rybka was in a Thai prison. The Russians were blamed in the Skripal hit by the United Kingdom, and Rex Tillerson had just been fired. That was one week's worth of news. Mm-hmm. So with the return of McEntee, Hicks, Spicy, and, and the Mole, it's the good old days. I'm surprised that the Mole's coming back. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like at this point, because it seems like he was a source 100% for a lot of these books that are coming out. Yeah, Russian Fear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know he was in that book a lot. Him he- and Rob Porter were... Right. Does that, like, not bother them? <laughs> I don't know. And then you're going to kick out Vinman's brother? Yeah. But you're going to let back a guy that <laughs> probably went and just, like, told all of your shit to all these different people? He doesn't have a lot of friends left. Yeah, I guess not. <laughs> what the... Ugh, that's so weird. Also, <laughs> I Kushner's think that, assistant? What? I yeah. guess I guess you kind of... You run out of people who are going to be sycophants to you, so you have to recycle people and after yeah. you slap them on the wrist. <laughs> maybe. Or maybe we're just going to start seeing like a huge revolving door and all these different people are going to start coming back. Uh, Once they've gone in the corner for long enough. Mole, uh-huh. mole, mole. Somebody said, uh, I guess Hope Hicks wasn't blonde enough for Fox News. Oh, mm. Jesus. Did she try? Do you know? Yeah, she was She was working at Fox she was hired by Fox, but I, I never saw her on there. But I, like, I don't watch it. I don't know. I bet Sarah Huckabee Sanders is going to come back. Oh, yeah, probably. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, Spicer's just in charge of the fellowship program. He's not mm-hmm. taking over as right. press secretary or anything. I right. didn't even know that she was out. I can't keep up with Well, Grisham's the new one. But right. Grisham does a pretty, when I say good job, 
I mean, she what hasn't Trump held wants. one. She hasn't held once one press conference yet. But that's mm-hmm. true. That's very true. But I think Sarah Huckabee Sanders was like relatively respected as far as you can be respected doing what the hell she was doing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're both just turds. Yeah, <laughs> just turds in a punch bowl. Yeah, turds in a punch bowl. <laughs> Oh, Sunday, yeah. you guys. I'm feeling a little weird today. <laughs> I think that required a jingle. Hey, you got it. As as Patton Oswalt said, you have to jock jam your life. Jock jam. Completely agree. What was it? Uh, sitting alone, eating salt and saltines in my underwear, and watching Carlito's way. Yeah, that's <laughs> a Patton Oswalt, Oswalt song. Yeah. And if you haven't um, watched anything or heard anything by Patton Oswalt, do it. Do it now and tell him I said hi. Uh, we'll be right back with hot notes. We got a lot of uh, hot notes, well, too, but there's a lot in them. So stick around. We'll be right back. Hey, everybody. This segment of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Daily Harvest. I find it a struggle to eat enough healthy foods. I've been doing this uh, intermittent fasting thing, but sort of by accident because of depression. But as it turns out, I need more fruits and vegetables in, in my life. And that is where Daily Harvest comes in. I love them. They make it easy to get uh, to eat well by delivering thoughtfully sourced chef-crafted food to my door. Um, Daily Harvest works directly with farmers to harvest organic fruits and vegetables at their peak and freezes them within 24 hours to lock in the nutrients. Everything stays fresh until you're ready to enjoy it. Uh, They have 65 different options like smoothies, soups, harvest bowls, overnight oats. Um, Daily Harvest is quick and easy. It's a quick quick and easy way to get all your fruits and vegetables that you need every day. And everything can be prepared in five minutes or less. Y'all both have tried it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What do you think? The smoothie was so good. Yeah. The cacao mint smoothie. Mm. Hell yeah. Yum. Cacao. Yeah, I had, um, I had these bites that taste honestly like cookie dough bites, but they're made of chickpea flour and cassava flour mm. and like cocoa cacao nibs. Yeah. And cacao. yes, it's so delicious. You just like take them right out of the fridge and start eating them. Yeah, each recipe takes one step or fewer, mm-hmm. zero steps to prepare. Uh, and they leave you room to make it your own if you want to add milk to blend up with a smoothie or heat up a harvest bowl, top it with avocado. Whether you're at home or at your desk or on the go, Daily Harvest is the easiest, quick way to have a really delicious and nutritious meal or snack. Um, I'm loving the cauliflower rice and pesto harvest bowl right now. It's like pesto risotto. It's my favorite thing. Cauliflower, but it's made with cauliflower. So, yay. Mm-hmm. Uh, from a paleo. Also, make the wheat grass banana cucumber smoothie a lot because it's, uh, you know, I, I need veggies. <laughs> they have a wide variety of delicious, nutritious foods. Um, so, you know, it can help you stick to those New Year's resolutions. So go to dailyharvest.com and enter promo code AG25 to get $25 off your first box. That is promo code AG25 for $25 off your first box at dailyharvest.com. That's dailyharvest.com. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. Hello, welcome back. Uh, this is Jordan speaking, and now we are doing hot notes. And I narrate my life like that all the time. Um, Watching Carlitos way. <laughs> you gotta sing it. Hello, welcome back. This is Jordan with the hot notes. I narrate my life like that. That would have been a great callback. Damn. Anyways. All right. My it was a note. great callback that I did. <laughs> That's true. Okay. It was. It was. Um, <laughs> I Okay. So my story is uh, a story that we've heard before, sadly. Just another iteration of it. Senate Republicans are back at their blocking election security bill shenanigans once again. Dems tried to pass three election security bills on Tuesday, and the Republicans just shut them down. This is... Mitch McConnell's dying wish, it seems, for an election security bill to never make it past the Senate. He is so hell-bent on that. But the bills would have made it so campaigns had to alert the FBI and FEC about offers from foreign entities to help in an election. Seems pretty mild. 
seems like a very, very mild thing that they should have to do. And they didn't want that to happen. They also would have allocated more money to fund elections, and they would have banned voting machines from being connected to the internet. Both things that seem very necessary and like good ideas. But Tennessee Republican Marsha Blackburn blocked a move for unanimous consent and accused Democrats of purposely. This is a this is some fucking twisted psychological shit. So she blocks the move and then accuses Democrats of purposely trying to set Republicans up by putting bills on the table that Democrats know Republicans will reject, thus giving Democrats something to fundraise about. So we're passing laws that people want to have passed, knowing that the Republicans will turn it down because they're pieces of shit. And that's our fault? Yes. Not just because they want that bill to be passed. It can't just be as simple as that. It oh, has to be, to be nefarious and in intent. Yes. And I mean, if you think about it, I mean, Mitch took a healthy chunk of $7.35 million donated to the Republican Party by Blavatnik. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Marco Rubio took some of that, Ted Cruz, Rick Scott. And then, of course, Mitch has his uh, Kentucky, his aluminum plant in his old Kentucky home where the buffalo roam. And <laughs> that's funded by Oleg Darapaska's uh, joint. Mm-hmm. So, it, 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 so he's sitting here like, you guys know that we aren't going to pass any bills because I'm bought by the Russians mm-hmm. and we're not going to pass any election security bills because I can't win without them. And, and shame on you for that. That's his, th- that's, that's his thing. That's what Marsha Blackburn was saying, but I imagine Mitch maintains the same thing. And now that puts the number to 10, 10 election security bills that have died in the Senate. Mm-hmm. It's so, f- like, I, tr- I really don't, you know, there are like a lot of things where I can see their angle. Mm-hmm. I do not see their angle on this. Aside from... The only option being that they just want to continue to cheat and do better because these rules don't exist. That's like the only like it's so hard. That's their angle. Either that or they just don't want to let Democrats pass anything. This should be such a nonpartisan issue. Right. Absolutely. It's insane to me. (laughs) And yeah. And he also admitted this week there are 395 other bills on his desk that he won't pass. (laughs) Jesus. Because they came from Democrats. Yeah. From the House. Mitch McConnell is a national security threat. Yeah, 100%. He's already let Russia get a foothold on our aluminum industry in this country. Yeah. Yeah, they're trying to say their whole state's rights gamut, right? They're saying that these bills take the power away from the states and then put too much of the power into the federal government. That's why they're saying they're not going to pass them. Oh, but they're going to send SWAT ICE teams uh into states. Yep. Exactly. States' rights when it matters. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. Fuck you. Yep. Oh, that's annoying. Oh, that's so fucking annoying. It's what, very annoying. Where do you think states get their money from, Mitch? Right. And I also just wonder, too, like, what authority do states even have currently to combat these issues on their own? Like, do they really have the resources? No, obviously not. Mm. Or else they would be doing it. Or else we'd have Iowa results. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, that, yeah, the article brings that up, too, just in the wake of Didn't- all of these issues. Didn't the head of the Iowa Democratic Party step down? Yes, he resigned. Yeah. Bye. <sighs> God. Oopsie. Yeah, and now they're trying a new thing in Nevada for the first time. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's going to go great. I'm excited for that. Which is early voting. 
mm. in the caucus. So you show up early voting because caucus you have to be there for. Mm-hmm. But Nevada's caucus, they wanted to try early voting. So what they what you do is you go and you fill out the card and say, here's my first choice. This mm-hmm. would be my second mm-hmm. choice. This would be my third choice. So it's just kind of ranked choice voting mm-hmm. right? or one, two, three voting right. as, as Matto likes to call it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so then they're going to use that and sort of compile those and then add them yeah. to the actual caucus numbers and then report those uh, to to the Nevada Democratic Party. So mm. they're not using the app, huh? but we'll see how that goes. This is the first time they're trying it. And, That's interesting. And, and I can tell you this. If this gets fucked up, I think the caucuses are going to go away. Yeah. I think they're going to have just primaries because mm-hmm. this is getting it, – it's – it's discriminatory toward the mm-hmm. disabled. They're not ACA compliant. It's hard to be there all day or for hours. Workers. Yeah. It, and, you know, it, it disenfranchises a lot of people. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so um, with the debacle in Iowa, if, if this doubles up again and they fuck it up in Nevada, I think I think the caucuses are done. At least I would be supportive of caucuses being done. Yeah. I wonder if they'll ever just move to a single day primary. <clears throat> yeah, that's what they would do. Mm-hmm. But like like everybody like the whole oh. country. Oh, like the whole like country. Like a Super Tuesday, yeah, but why, for everyone. Why don't every why doesn't everyone just go out and vote on the same Or we just have three Super Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. Yeah. With 30 states at 30 states, excuse me, with the uh, about yeah. 20 yeah. 15 17 states apiece and then mm-hmm. just do it that way. Yeah. Just have three Super Tuesdays. Mm-hmm. And have our friggin' candidate by April. Mm-hmm. Have the convention in April. Yeah. Yeah, it is very interesting just because it sort of it it it's it seemingly arbitrarily sets these markers up throughout the course of a campaign where people are still growing, you know, to like a bigger person than they're going to be in the race or the opposite. And so it's strange to just like let there be actual election or, you know, election like. Yeah, you're it's adding you're adding layers of strategy mm. instead of just right. who who do you want to vote for exactly. Mm-hmm. Like, well, if I go here and there's over here and there's more black people here on mm-hmm. on Thursday, but if I go back over here on Tuesday where there's not as many and I have to worry about the Latinx vote, mm-hmm. then what do I do? How do I talk? What do I say? Yes. Where do I travel to? And it's yes. just like Dude. it's a melding of campaigning and official elections over and over again, which yeah. is kind of like an uncomfortable thing. It's. Yeah. It is really uncomfortable also to hear to hear the way that the media keeps talking to these candidates about how they have support from one group or another rather than talking about actual issues. You know, like every time I see it, like lately, every time I hear someone being interviewed, it's about like their support with this group of people or this group of people when I just want to hear the candidates talk more about the issues. Though I will say that, that getting endorsements from those groups of people mm-hmm. kind of gives you an idea of the issues that they care about. So, it is important. Like, yes. let's say teachers union backs Bernie, mm-hmm. culinary union backs not Bernie. Mm-hmm. Then you kind mm-hmm. of know sort of where and why. So it is a little, a little, it's def- not a, it's definitive, not a relevant. Of their, definitive of their platforms, but they do spend a lot of time chasing endorsements, particularly from uh, yeah. these larger groups, nurses unions, unions mostly yeah. in the Democratic Party. And then, of course, from newspapers around mm-hmm. the country as well, depending on uh, because, you know, uh, Warren got the Iowa Register mm-hmm. and didn't she finished fourth, third, yeah. third. She's the craziest one to me right now. How low she's doing. Yeah. Compared to where I thought she was going to be. Yeah. Well, again, uh, two we're two in, mm-hmm. so we'll yeah. see how yeah, it goes. Lots more states to go. We'll that see is how true. It goes. Uh, thank you for that. Yeah, thanks, Jordan. Information about it's Turtle Dick. So Mitch. enraging that they won't pass any election security bills. Yeah. Oh well, and then they won't like fully impanel the commission that can actually enforce things too. 
The other thing I think is if Mitch passes any election security bills, um, that 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 would sort of indicate that we were meddled with in mm-hmm. 2016, which Trump totally. will not admit to ever because small dick energy. And so mm-hmm. you know, because he he carries that electoral map around with him, <laughs> you know, instead of pictures of his children. <laughs> So he's so I think that that's probably the number one issue that is, again, the cancer on this presidency is the weak and wispy ego of of the one man who yeah. can't possibly admit to the fact that Russia interfered in the elections because that means that he might it, it challenges and the legitimacy power. Mm-hmm. Of, of his presidency. He would still fucking be president. I don't yeah. understand what his. Yeah. So insecure, weak and wispy. Yeah, if he had pictures of his kids, I feel like he would just circle their traits and be like, "Mine, mine, mine. This was mine. <laughs> <laughs> this butt, mine. This nose, that that mine. bad nose from your mom." He's <laughs> playing one of those bar video games, you know, where you have to find the differences between the two Playboy models, and all of a sudden <laughs> oh Ivanka God. comes up, and he's like, "Oh, great, I know these." <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> gross i'm sorry trigger no, warning no, totally reverse okay. i was just trying to think of what the equivalent of his, of his electoral map small dick energy on photos of his kids would look like oh oh yeah okay <laughs> mm-hmm. he sends dick instead of dick pics he sends electoral maps oh my god he's the worst yes all right well i am sad to say that bill barr isn't the only thing fucking up our trust in the justice department these days according to the new york times trump officials are investigating the government's response to russia's election interference in 2016 which we knew, but it appears they're hunting for a basis to accuse Obama-era intelligence officials and law enforcement officers of hiding evidence or manipulating analyses about the Kremlin's covert operations. Um, We know and have reported extensively on Trump's obsession with defending the legitimacy of his elections in 2016, and he's gone to great lengths to protect it, as we were just talking about, including having Barr appoint a former U.S. attorney, John Durham, to examine the actions of the Obama intelligence community as a pathway to proving a deep state conspiracy. Recent questions asked by John Durham indicate that he is suspicious of disagreements between analysts in different intelligence agencies over who could see each other's stuff, who could see each other's secrets. According to the New York Times, as told by a few sources familiar with the matter, it appears that Durham is pursuing a theory that the CIA under John Brennan had a preconceived notion about Russia and was trying to get a particular result by nefariously trying to keep other agencies from seeing the full picture so they wouldn't interfere with that goal. The FBI and the NSA have told Durham that he's wrong. You're wrong. Your suspicion is stupid. It's based on a misunderstanding of how the intelligence community operates, Mm -hmm. bro. Um, Intelligence community officials are typically cautious about sharing intel, such as sources, even with other agencies. That's by design, so they can remain independent and come to their own conclusions. You don't want groupthink among these three agencies when you're talking about national security. This wild goose chase that Durham is on will certainly add to the mounting pressure placed on the Department of Justice that Trump has weaponized them to give preferential treatment to his friends and go after his enemies. Specifically, this appears to be the cabal. Uh, this appears. This particular thing appears to be a cabal to go after John Brennan for being an outspoken critic of Trump. Brennan responded to the article on Hardball Thursday evening by dismissing the line of inquiry and portraying it as dangerous. He says, "Quote: There uh, is there a criminal investigation now on analytic judgments and the activities of the CIA in terms of trying to protect our national security." Basically, are you investigating anal like analysis of data? That's mm. what you're investigating. He says, I'm certainly willing to talk to Mr. Durham or anyone else uh, who has any questions about what he did, what, you know, what we did during this period. Uh, It clearly, 
I think is another indication that Donald Trump is using the Department of Justice to go after his enemies any way he can. And what's interesting in that statement there is, is sort of uh, subsumed in there is is Brennan is saying they haven't Durham hasn't reached out to me to ask mm-hmm. me anything about what went down. Mm-hmm. But he's asked, well, so I'll, I'll get into who he's talked to. But as we know, the Department of Justice uh, Inspector General Horowitz released a report into aspects of the FBI's Russia investigation, found no documentary or testimonial evidence that anyone engaged in a conspiracy to sabotage Trump. But Durham's recent questions have shed a little light on where he may be going with his inquiry. And we've reported before Durham has been looking into emails between a small group of analysts from the FBI, CIA and NSA regarding the motivations behind several instances in which some sought access to intelligence from other agencies and were told initially they did not have access. In one instance, in particular, the identity of a CIA source inside the Kremlin was withheld by the CIA when the NSA wanted more information. But the CIA eventually handed over the information. Um, Officials disagreed about how much weight to give the source. Um, Brennan explained in his interview that because the CIA relies heavily on human or human intelligence, whereas the NSA does not, um, that, and by the way, that's what led to the NSA to give their moderate confidence when everyone else gave high confidence Mm. that Russia interfered on behalf of Trump. Um, And so... And that was in the January 2017 intelligence assessment Mm -hmm. ordered by President Obama. So they're trying to he's trying to make that look like it was a bad thing. The human source was eventually moved out of the Kremlin and back to the U.S. We talked about that guy when or lady when they had to be removed because and and remember at first they didn't want to leave. They were Mm -hmm. like, I've almost got this information. Mm -hmm. And eventually they had to pull them out. Well, this is why the CIA didn't want to tell the NSA, you know, you want to keep that. Why? Why add more moving parts to something so important you know uh, another incident <clears throat> that durham is looking into centered on a certain data set the, na- the nature of the data set remains secret we don't know what it means but one person suggested that the fight was whether the nsa analyst could see the raw data or whether the cia needed to filter it to mask names and other identifying details about americans and american organizations officials also clashed over access to unclassified emails of americans that the russian government had previously hacked including the white house and the state department So while all this is par for the course, it appears Durham is trying to find some kind of wrongdoing linked to the disputes in the interagency intelligence sharing operations. And to me, it sounds like Durham doesn't know what the fuck he's talking about. And the intelligence agencies are all like, this is how we do. Mm -hmm. Everything's cool. We have a DNI now. That's why we have a DNI is so that we can sort of coordinate these things and share more information. So he's coming in like he's never he doesn't know what the fuck is happening, saying uh, you, you should hand over all these things and you should hand over all these things. They're like, OK, here's a giant 1400 page manual on why we can't. Mm-hmm. And he, well, I'm not reading that. I just imagine <laughs> it just, you know, like and, and this happens to us a lot as women mm-hmm. when when you're an expert at something mm-hmm. and, and there's someone who is not an expert at something who is going to tell you how your job goes. Mm-hmm. This is what it, this is what that feeling is like. So uh, I I uh, I can sympathize with Brennan mm-hmm. as to what he must be going through. Durham has yeah. uh, interviewed, uh, here's who he has talked to, FBI officials, CIA analysts, about half a dozen current and former officials and analysts at the NSA, but he has not spoken to Brennan, McCabe, or Comey, even though his, he has requested Brennan's emails, call logs, and other documents from the CIA to learn what he told other officials, including Comey, about his and the CIA's views of the Steele dossier. Um, keep in mind, I, I, I'm, I think that like, he's afraid to go to Brennan, Comey and McKay because he's going to get not crimes Mm -hmm. because they've all been cleared. (laughs) So, 
Uh, and keep in mind, Barr now has the authority to declassify anything he wants, and we should be prepared for a cherry-picked sprinkling of communications between the agencies who worked on Crossfire Hurricane and Trump's ongoing push to create a deep state narrative to protect his fragile 2016 Electoral College victory. That's what it all boils down to. Yep. Well, then I guess they're just setting the precedent for the next president to go back and investigate everything that Trump did and continue to do that. Yep, that's exactly what you're exactly right. That's exactly what they're doing. And um, and I hope they do. Mm-hmm. Right. Because Trump deserves it. <laughs> because he's actually <laughs> this era deserves it very much. Yeah. And that's why I like the idea of having a permanent special counsel or this special task force at the Department of Justice that's always investigating the administration. Mm-hmm. Always. Mm-hmm. And Congress. Sounds very American to me. I love it. And judges. <laughs> Fucking watch them all. Yeah. Got my eye on you. Ugh. All right. You ready for sabotage? Yes. Yes. All right, this is from the New York Post, so grain of salt here, but apparently a Manhattan judge has taken the rare step of allowing Ghislaine Maxwell, Ghislaine Maxwell, to be served with a new lawsuit by email, because apparently she's that hard to find. Lawyers for Annie Farmer, an Epstein accuser, complained to the judge that Deborah, uh, the judge, Deborah Freeman is the judge's name, that they've been trying to locate uh, Ghislaine to serve her with a complaint filed in November. So they asked if they could serve her by email. And the judge granted the request, saying they've done their due diligence and serve and a service in person is impracticable. The judge also ruled that if Maxwell doesn't respond by March 6th, a default judgment will be placed against her. And in the farmer is seeking an undisclosed amount of money and damages because Ghislaine provided her to Epstein, mm-hmm. who assaulted her. Mm-hmm. And so if, uh, you know, she's suing for a, X amount of money, Ghislaine doesn't respond by March 6th, she gets X amount of money. There will be a judgment uh, placed against Ghislaine. But if you can't find her to serve her, I don't know how you're going to find her to get money out exactly. of her. Exactly. So we still don't know where she is. That's I what it seems not, like. Yeah. There's still like a, yeah, where in the world Isn't is. Isn't there reports that she was Ghislaine? in Israel? There's like differing yeah. reports coming out. Some people have said that's like uncorroborated. I, but. I'm, Hearts so, saw her in Israel. Right, I think right. she. I think the whole thing. Again, super space beans. I think Epstein was working for Mossad, uh, running a fake hedge fund, collecting money from billionaires who were having, uh, who were raping underage people. <clears throat> I, I hate, As dirt, yeah, compromise. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, gathered by Mossad, who was probably <sighs> sharing it with the Kremlin. <laughs> Everything's connected. <laughs> mm-hmm. Everything is beautiful, except that. Okay. God, right. Um, All right. With that as our sabotage, you ready to play Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be indicted. No, wait. It's going to be okay. Indicted. Honey, dick. Indicted. Honey. I'm going to be indicted. Hold it. They can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted. You're first this time, Jordan. You get to go first. All right. Well, I'd be silly if I didn't pick Ghislaine. All right. There you go. They can find her. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm going to go with Flynn. Mm, nice. Fuck that guy. Fuck him. Tom Barrick. Of course. <laughs> uh, Giuliani for me. Yeah. Mm, superseding Fruman. Pecker. Pleadial Parnas. Pleadial Parnas, huh? Mm, all right. All right. Um, Two more for you, A.G. Poop. Dylan Howard. AMI. Nice. I'm going to go with McEntee, the guy coming back mm. to the White House. <laughs> I, I would love that? it. Uh, M-C-E-N-T-E-E. 
I would love it if Berman in the Southern District of New York was like, oh, you're going to hire him back? Indictment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> for his heavy financial crimes with mm-hmm. the Department of Homeland Security, DHS was mm-hmm. looking into, which is an odd agency to look into financial crimes, mm-hmm. but maybe they're the ones who are responsible for the background checks, but no, because that's the FBI. I don't know. Yeah. Is that it? Are yeah, we that's done? it. You're yeah, all yeah. done. Congratulations. Sweet. Oh, played Fantasy Indictment League. That was a fast one. Mm-hmm. Oh, it's been a while since we've gotten points. I know. I know. <laughs> mm, everything got shut down. Bar. Blast. Uh, All right. Well, we will be right back with the interview. Uh, Again, we're talking to former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig. So stay with us. Hey, everybody. It's AG. And this segment of Muller She Wrote is brought to you by Third Love. I am obsessed with Third Love. All my bras come from Third Love now. I have switched. I have made the switch. My life is 100% awesome. Third Love makes my favorite bras. They're the most comfortable I've ever worn, tailored perfectly to fit me and my individual body shape. I was unable to find my perfect fit. Um, for so long because I am I go I'm, I'm like a half cup size but with third love I could find my perfect fit in just a couple of minutes by taking their fun online fit finder quiz they use your info plus data from millions of women who've taken the quiz and uh, take they like I said they take into account uh, cup size and shape to find the perfect bra for you many women like I said fall in between cup sizes and I would always have that cup gap or I'd have a little spillage so it was always impossible for me to find the right fit but third love has over 80 bra sizes industry leaders including their signature half cup sizes so I found my exact perfect fit all of Third Love's bras are made with lightweight super thin memory foam cups that mold to your shape no slip straps and smooth scratch free bands to uh, they like they even got rid of the the paper label so there's no scratchiness it's all printed right on the thing and it's all designed for ultimate comfort Third Love's team of expert fit stylists are dedicated to helping you find your perfect fit and they're available to help via chat or email and with Third Love's perfect fit promise I love this philanthropy from them you have 60 days to wash it wash it wear it try it out and if you don't absolutely love it returns are always free and easy and they donate all their gently used bras to people in need and so far Third Love has donated over 15 million dollars in bras supporting charities across the United States. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com slash AG now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com slash AG for 15% off today. So joining us today for the interview is CNN legal analyst and former federal prosecutor Ellie Honig. Ellie, welcome back to Muller She Wrote. How are you? Good. Glad to be back. So are are we considering a, a name change for the podcast, given the way the news has evolved? (laughs) <laughs> like uh uh what what would it what would you call it uh let's see what well, was Mueller she wrote right we could, i mean it, it, ukraine is even in the past like uh, meddling she wrote it's not as it's not quite as catchy as Mueller she wrote meddling she wrote i like mm. it. it's meddling and everything that has to do with doj yeah, Ed, because it's it's getting kind of crazy, and that's sort of what I wanted to talk to you about. Been a big week, um, pretty emotional for some prosecutors. I've I've spoken personally to you know Joyce Vance, Barb McQuaid, a couple of other, uh, and Renato Mariotti, a couple other former uh, federal prosecutors, U.S. attorneys, and I wanted to ask you about your reaction to the news that Bill Barr intervened personally uh, in the sentencing of Roger Stone and the impact that has not only on the Department of Justice, but Americans' view of the Department of Justice. Yeah, so look, I think that the DOJ's intervention in the Stone case this week is really kind of a tipping point. I think we've been building up to this over the almost exactly one year that Bill Barr has now been Attorney General in this administration. Uh, Here, I just want to make sure the listeners understand how unusual this is 
what went down. So it is virtually unheard of. I've never seen it happen. Perhaps it has, but in the thousands of cases I've dealt with and supervised during my time at DOJ, I never saw it happen that DOJ itself went on record, got the proper approvals for a guideline sentence, which in this case was seven to nine years, arguably a bit high, but that's the guidelines. And then higher ranking people at DOJ pulled it back and said, no, we're wrong. We want to go lower. I, I just, I've never seen that happen. And then start with that premise and then add it into the top of it. What happened in the middle? A tweet from Donald Trump about how unjust the prosecution of Roger Stone was, and not his first, of course. So I think the look, DOJ prosecutors are extremely logical, uh, sort of insightful people. And I think when you see DOJ prosecutors, by and large, looking at that and saying, this is, this is meddling from political branches, this is not what DOJ is about, I, I think we sort of hit a critical mass of that this week. Yeah, and I know that um, uh, Maddo had uh, had talked about that quite a, quite extensively too, saying she spoke to two veteran prosecutors within the Department of Justice, and in their combined decades worth of experience, they had never once um, seen anything like that at all. So yeah, it's it's extremely rare. And then of course, like you said, you add that tweet in the middle, and we've got some conspiracy soup. Um, and, and and let me just add to that. This is just coming a week or two after the same thing essentially happened on Michael Flynn. So, right, that DOJ was at one point asking for six, up to six months, and then they came back in and lowered their position to probation, meaning no jail time. So twice in the course of a couple of weeks, and gee, what do Roger Stone and Michael Flynn have in common? Let me see. <laughs> oh, they're you know, both Trump friends, allies, former uh, officials, um, or, or campaign consultants. So um, it's hard. You can't ignore that. Yeah, and then we have the news out just about 30 minutes ago from CNN that, that Bill Barr has been quietly looking into and reviewing the Flynn case. I mean, that's, that's unnerving, too. I mean, look, even if he comes out, I don't know where this is going to come out, but even if he comes out and says everything was handled right, here's the message it sends to your prosecutor at DOJ. If you go after one of the president's allies, cronies, whatever you want to call them, you're going to be subject to extra scrutiny, not just the normal built-in healthy scrutiny that exists at DOJ, <laughs> but then the AG himself is going to be peering over your shoulder second guess. That's a terrible message. Yeah, it's creepy. And combine that with the fact that he's the only one now that can approve with express written consent if there's uh, any investigations opened into presidential, vice presidential, campaign, any anything. Let me just say a word about that, because it's important that people understand. There's a long-standing sort of soft policy at DOJ, unwritten, but we used to call it the 60-day rule, meaning you're not going to drop a bomb in terms of an indictment or something 60 days before an election. So, for example, if you had a charge on, on someone very close to a presidential candidate, let's say, hypothetically, Rudy Giuliani, you wouldn't announce it in late September of 2020. You'd either do it before the 60 days or after the election. But this, what this does is put that policy sort of not exactly that policy, but puts in writing, but you, what you said is important. This policy now says nobody can even open an investigation. FBI cannot even start an investigation unless DAG reviews it and signs up, and that is new. It used to be, look, you do your investigation whenever you have to. You try to do it as quickly as possible. You just hold off on any public announcements and arrests and indictments. But this is totally different. This says you can't even get the plane off the runway until Barr says.
Yeah, it's kind of frightening. Um, and and th- this week, I reached out to you Tuesday when this all went down with with the Stone stuff, and the you know we had the one, two, three, four withdrawals from the case from four line prosecutors. One of them actually resigning from the DOJ altogether. And we were working on you and I were working on a time to talk. And I remember saying, better make it Friday because who knows what else could happen between now and then. And uh, lo and behold, we get this interview with Bill Barr who astonishingly, first of all, and everyone seems to be glossing over this, admits to intervening in the Stone sentencing. Uh, but also, uh, I have to say, he lied to all of us because he was, you know, he said it was a totally normal thing for this to happen. And as we went over in the earlier here in the interview, it's not at all a normal thing. So what was your reaction to what Barr had to say in that, in that crazy interview? So first of all, when Barr says this is normal, and, and other defenders of, of the president are saying this is normal. Here's what, here's what they're doing. They're, it's sleight of hand. They're conflating two things. What is normal is for there to be a thorough deliberation within DOJ, and sometimes higher-ranking people at DOJ will, will overrule lower-ranking people. I've had it done to me, and I've, as a supervisor, I've done it to people in my bureau. You sometimes don't agree, and you work it out. What, here's what's unusual. A, for the AG himself to be involved in a case like this, and B, to go on record, to do that process, to come out at a result, and then have the bosses publicly undermine you. That is completely different. Um, so so don't, don't buy into that spin by bar. Well, yeah, because, Ellie, and I, don't, I hate to interrupt you here, but the, the, the New York Times had reported when, you know, when all this was going down, uh, when the first when the Stone sentencing memo came out, uh, that it was seven to nine years, and there was like an eight-point upward variance and for this and this, and they, they put spilled it all out there, they actually said that there were people within the Department of Justice who told reporters that there was bickering between some of the higher-ups uh, about whether this was going to go or not. But, if, but ultimately, Timothy Shea, who is Barr's new, you know, best friend who who he's who he's put in there to replace Jesse Liu, who was unceremoniously offered a different job and then had that taken away from her. Uh, but Tim Shea put his name on this thing. And and uh, but there was, you know, like you said, that is normal to have that sort of disagreement and deliberation going going before the whole thing comes out. But that that had been done before Barr stuck his nose into this. Right, exactly. That type of deliberation happens internally. It's healthy. They, it's how you get to sort of the best result. They did that, though. They, it was done. <laughs> Jesse Liu signed it and submitted it. And then to, to be undermined publicly like that is... Well, Tim Shea put his name on it. Tim Shea had his name right, on Right, exactly. It. Bars, the guy they just installed from Barr's uh, right hand to do this. So um, it, it, that makes it even more unusual. Regarding you know the interview, the, obviously the part that's caught a lot of people's attention is Barr saying that the president should not tweet about DOJ and judges. And, and I'm trying to balance my, my cynical side with my uh, taking things at face value side. So at face value, I'll say this. Barr said what he had to say. It was important that he come out and say that, both for morale inside DOJ and for let's try to establish some boundary here. Now, it, some people sort of theorize this is uh, a play act, and I think to some extent it is because uh, so here's the thing. Let's not mistake this for Bill Barr sort of heroically declaring the, the independence of DOJ because he's had a year's worth of his own actions that have completely undermined that. So you don't get to underdo a year worth of, 
of distorting the Mueller report and trying to keep the whistleblower complaint from going to Congress and undermining the Flynn sentence and undermining the Stone sentence by just doing a quick interview with ABC and saying he shouldn't tweet. Those things do not equal out. I'll go with I'll go with the years worth of action over the one interviews worth of words. Mm. So, so you know, start with that. And look, telling the president you don't need to tweet. I, I mean, I think Barr knows the playbook. I don't I don't think he needs to have orders barked at him anymore. I mean, I, I don't think he you know they're they're operating on on the on a sort of uh, they're simpatico. I guess you would say it's kind of like. I don't know if I'll try to think of the modern football reference, but like when I was a kid, it was Joe Montana and Jerry Rice. Like they could just look at each other and know, you know, Montana knew exactly where Jerry Rice was going to go and he would just deliver the ball and Jerry Rice would beat it. They didn't have to call the plays. So they're not to compare. It's a strange comparison to think of uh, Donald Trump throwing the ball to William Barr like Montana and Rice. But but for those of you 80s people, there you go. <laughs> no, it makes sense. And um and, and I mean you you bring up morale and that's interesting though because he didn't at all and at, at one point stick up for the four line prosecutors, uh or or give a give a word out for any of those and he didn't say you know he said you're these tweets make it impossible for me to do my job not for the department to do its job and well he yeah he did I will say I was listening for that he did say something about and and, and it makes it hard if he's commenting on our on on our cases and our prosecutors and the judges. And I think it's important that he said that. I was going to, I was getting ready to rip into him because Barr needs to stand up for the judges. I mean, look, he's, it's not exactly his role, but it's absurd to have Donald Trump attacking judges. And by the way, we hit a new one this week, jurors. Donald Trump is going after a juror yeah. in the Stone case, which is, look, jurors are civilians. They get that annoying piece of paper in the mail. They show up and do the civic duty and they miss work. And they have to find someone to take care of their kids. And they're doing the most basic civic duty. And now he's attacking those people. I mean, he's like a half step away from just knocking on people's door and saying, do you like me or not? And if they say <laughs> no, tweeting about it. Yeah. Um, so um, that to me is, is, is crazy and also needs to be called out. Yeah, it's pretty bizarre. And then, uh, and then of course, and I'm so glad we waited till Friday uh, to speak. <laughs> um, we got the news today almost as if on cue that the Justice Department is dropping its case into Andy McCabe. I was wondering what you make of the timing here, seeing as, I mean, the grand jury yeah. failed to return an indictment under Jesse Lou months and months and months ago. And now today, when there's like a question about the uh, independence of the Department of Justice, they're dropping this case into McCabe. I don't know. It seems a little weird. Exactly. So let me say this. So I'm not, I don't know that it's known for sure that the grand jury declined to return an indictment. There are some indicators out there that are True. consistent with that happening, but it's not, there also are, it, it's also, what happened is also consistent with the idea that they're still just sitting on it. But yeah, the timing is so telling because look, they could have held this out. Oh, it may be coincidence. It may be coincidence, <laughs> but they could have held this out over McCabe. Right. I know. But, but I think what by Delivering this decision this week, I think it was a reassurance from whoever whoever finalized this in D.C. that we've not yet become quite a total attack wing of Donald Trump because Donald Trump is out there openly clamoring. Look, it's one thing to use DOJ defensively to guard and protect your buddy. That's really bad, your Stones, your Flynn's, Manafort, et cetera. But to me, it's 10 times worse to use DOJ offensively to go after your perceived enemies. And And... McCabe falls on that list of a Trump perceived enemy. Yeah. And I think by whoever, whoever pushed for this to happen now, um, kudos to you. First of all, you shouldn't leave someone hanging out forever. And I know <laughs> Andrew now McCabe now, and I'm, I'm glad that he doesn't have to 
suffer with, with the uncertainty anymore. Um, and, and I think the, the statement here is we've not gone down that road yet. We're not yet carrying out uh, uh, metaphoric hits on Donald Trump's enemies. Not yet. I mean, they are looking, reopening the Comey thing and... Uh... He wants Brennan. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, yeah. And that's why I wanted to ask you about this specifically, because I heard I think you uh, had gone on CNN and said, you know, the yeah, the, the, the using it to get your friends and, and buddies off, you know, weaponizing the DOG in that way. But even worse is weaponizing it offensively. And this, that was what I think was going on with Andy McCabe. Uh, and so I think a lot of people were, were vocalizing, a lot of former prosecutors writing letters and uh, things like that, to, you know, and Bill Barr was very aware, acutely aware that everyone was worried about the DOJ being weaponized offensively, like you said. Right. And there's a big difference there. I mean, they're both really bad, but uh, uh, protecting people is one thing and, and but going after people, potentially imprisoning people as a result of political uh, vendettas is... is not the stuff of our democracy. No, and he's got a history of doing it too. I mean, all the way back to Comey. So, well, I don't have much question he would if he could, and and it's good that there are some checks and restraints in place. Yes, and I'm very, like I said, I'm very happy for McCabe. I mean, it's on the one hand, it's very good news uh, for he, for him and his family who've really gone, but just been suffering under this for uh, years. And you know, yep. but at the same time, I I do have to question the timing of it. So, yeah, yep, yep, I agree. All right. Well, thank you so much, CNN legal analyst, former federal prosecutor, Ellie Honig. Thanks again for coming on Mueller, She Wrote. I really appreciate your time today. Yeah, thanks for having me. My pleasure. Okay, everybody. Thanks again to Ellie. What the, He's great to interview. He's so smart. I know. Truly. Everyone that comes on our show is smart, but he's like extra smart. Yes, he's yeah. uh, extra smart. Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm, I'm very thankful that he made himself available to come and speak to us about all that. And uh, that is our show. Uh, please and thank you for listening. And uh, subscribe if you haven't um, to Muller She Wrote and the Daily Beans Pod. Mm-hmm. Might as well get on that. We are very close to getting 20,000 followers on Twitter at Daily Beans Pod, which means I got I to fly with Jason somewhere and have dinner with somebody. We're going to pick one lucky winner. Yes. Um, and, uh, this week we're going to start for patrons, a video episode of us answering your questions. Mm-hmm. So send your questions in. There's a, um, post on Patreon yep. uh, where you can uh, reply with your question. I will reshare that. And if you are not a patron and you want to become one, you can get the other, our sister podcast episode, uh, episodes ad free and early. And then you get the video episodes and the questions. Episodes. You get all the stuff. Plus there's some free cool gifts. So check it out. At, and that's patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote. Uh, any final thoughts? No. Just take care of yourself this week, everybody. Yeah. It's usually your final thought, but extra, extra that. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a question. Patreon.com slash The Daily Beans. Does that exist? Goes to the same place. Uh-huh. Oh, mm-hmm. perfect. Yeah, same okay, place. Because when I hosted, I said uh-huh. that and I was just like, fuck. Yeah. Patreon.com. the wrong thing? No, no, you're good. Patreon.com slash The Daily Beans and Patreon.com slash Mueller, she wrote are the same page. Great. Yeah. Well, you there are you go. Welcome. Sweet. Uh, my final thoughts are that. You you uh, are awesome, and thank you, and that's it. Also, I saw Jordan. I saw you do comedy this week for the first time in a while. Oh yes, on Gal- Galentine's Day. Yes, that was all, great. The old lady. She's show. very funny, and if you're in San Diego, you should come out and see her. Thank where you. we at? Where, where we were? At? Comedy Palace. Oh, Palace. Yeah. I haven't been there in a while. Mm. Yeah, it was fun. It was a Valentine's Day show, mm-hmm. so there was uh, just a lot of like good. Good vibes. vibes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I drank a root beer and had some hummus. Ooh, Wild times. Their hummus beer. is good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the food there. Their hummus is good. I like their chicken salad. Their dressing mm-hmm. that they make uh, in house. It's really yeah. good. Yeah, it's they good. got great food. Comedy Palace. Your yeah. like timing since I saw you a few months ago has gotten even better. 
Thank you. You're welcome. I appreciate that. And that is the benefit of going up so often. Mm -hmm. Yes. Grind. Because there's nothing you can do to teach yourself that other than just put your feet on the stage. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Unless you need to sit, you know. (laughs) Unless you need to sit. Yeah. 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 Totally. Thank you. Yeah. Love. Love. I hope everyone Jokes. had a good Valentine's Day. Me too. Um, I got a mouse from my cat, so <laughs> I'm all set. Uh, <laughs> oh, I had an amazing meal. Although I couldn't, I'm on some new medication and I was really, really like nauseous throughout the meal. And my wife was like, do you want to leave? Are you enjoying it? And I was like, no, I'm having the best time. Like I was trying so hard to like oh. stay with it, but I enjoyed it. Can Michael. you take Pepto-Bismol with it? Uh, probably maybe. Yeah, you, you can try take it. Pepto with anything. Yeah, yeah. I enjoy or like Zo- Zofran. I think is like the prescription oh, nausea stuff. Yeah, mm-hmm. okay, yeah, that's what it maybe is. Maybe you can yeah. ask your doctor about that. There's a sweet little old Italian man who came around to every table and was like, "Hello, I'm the manager of the restaurant. Here's yes. my card for special events." He was Ooh. like shaking everyone's hand. It was adorable. Brilliant. Very nice. Smart businessman. Yeah. Love little family restaurants. Like and it was that. Italian. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, mm. so cute. Oh, so I many, love all the carbs. Food. So the so carbs. many carbs. Squiddy Clinguini. Oh, that is what I had in my brain. Yeah. Joelle had lobster ravioli. Oh, that's the other thing I had. Mm. Oh, <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> so good. I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I, I, sorry, I'm I was, going to Olive Garden. I was dreaming. <laughs> oh, because that. Okay. <laughs> All right. You're fired. Um, everybody hospitaliano. It's please. mostly just about bread and they give it to me in bulk. They do. It is bulk <laughs> bread and it's not bad. Especially if you dip it in that Alfredo sauce. Oh, I've never been to Olive Garden. Yeah, never. It's, you it's, go? It's It'll be really all right. Nothing to about. I would love that, only so you can do it. But okay. have go to go for lunch and have soup, salad, and breadsticks. Yes, okay. exactly. We'll get all the little dipping go crazy sauces. on bread. Yeah, 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 yeah. Get crazy with the cheese whiz. But then for like actual they don't have Italian, whiz. I'd love to not go there. I've also never <laughs> been to medieval times. Mm, Very good. Mm-hmm. There's some American experiences I haven't had yet. I've never been to medieval times. You're okay. Really? Oh. Wait, is that the one in Vegas? No, the the place where they do the jousting. Yes, they, they have it they, in Vegas, yeah. but they also have it, you know, in like up at Irvine Spectrum Center area. Not missing anything. I uh, growing up, I grew up in Las Vegas, mm-hmm. and one of my good friends' dads was like the creator and producer of that show. Mm-hmm. So we got to go, and and it's it's quite the experience. I don't know if it's like this at Medieval Times, but they give you an entire chicken, yeah. like. And you just like and no eat silverware, it. no cutlery, no silverware, and you just oh, like eat it. But you evil, like, even you in terms of how you eat, <laughs> yeah, you throw the bones like on the dirt pit that's in front of you, and it's oh. like, yeah, and it's a very like okay. barbaric display. <laughs> mm. Mm. Yeah, cool. I don't eat chicken anymore. Maybe they've updated with the times, and they have like a vegan <laughs> tofu, like a, a vegan have, like, a tofu nut loaf, chicken loaf, chicken loaf, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> with some oat milk for yes. you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. let's, let's let's come up with shishi medieval times <laughs> see how that goes over uh, like i'll take some lacrosse mm-hmm. and uh definitely need soy milk yes. and sushi do you have sushi here at medieval times yes yes no chopsticks though you gotta eat with your fingers mm-hmm. is this ration gluten-free <laughs> and i'd be like wait a second there were chopsticks during medieval times they came way before that shit and they'd be like you're right it's just two pieces of wood and i would win you would i would have you sushi would. with chopsticks at medieval times Okay, that is our show. Everybody. <laughs> that was an interesting ending, but uh, we do love you. Thank you so much. Please take care of yourselves and take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. Been Amanda Reader. <laughs> I do know my own name. I, I do know my own name. And this is Muller She Wrote.
Muller She Wrote is executive produced and directed by AG and Jordan Coburn, with engineering and editing by Mackenzie Mazel and Starburns Industries. Our marketing manager, production and social media direction is by Amanda Reeder. Fact-checking and research by AG, Jordan Coburn, and Amanda Reeder, and our knowledgeable listeners. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. Season four of How We Win is here. For the past four years, we've been making history in critical elections all over the country. And last year, we made history again by expanding our majority in the Senate, eating election-denying Republicans in crucial state house races, and fighting back a non-existent red wave. But the MAGA Republicans who plotted and pardoned the attempted overthrow of our government now control the House thanks to gerrymandered maps and repressive anti-voter laws. And the chaotic spectacle we've already seen shows us just how far they will go to seize power, dismantle our government, and take away our freedoms. So the official podcast of The Persistence is back with season four. There's so much more important work ahead of us to fight for equity, justice, and our very democracy itself. We'll take you behind the lines and inside the rooms where it happens with strategy and inspiration from progressive changemakers all over the country. And we'll dig deep into the weekly news that matters most and what you can do about it with messaging and communications expert, co-founder of way to win and our new co-host, Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. So join Steve and I every Wednesday for your weekly dose of inspiration, action, and hope. I'm Steve Pearson. And I'm Jennifer Fernandez-Ancona. And And this this is is How We Win. Win. MSW Media. Hi, this is John Cryer, and I am hosting a new seven-part true crime podcast called Lawyers, Guns, and Money that'll challenge everything you think you know about U.S. covert operations and presidential misconduct. From Jack Bryan, the director of American PSYOP, comes the incredible true story of John Mattis, a newly sworn in Miami public defender in the 1980s who has found himself completely in over his head. I step off the plane and there is a van with a couple guys with Uzis. And one of them in broken English said, welcome to Bogota, John. Mattis's first felony defendant has been arrested for having a machine gun and tells Mattis a dangerous secret. He was shipping arms into Central America on behalf of the CIA. As a first-time lawyer, I want to act like I know what I'm doing. But with the help of a Colombian drug smuggler... How much money the CIA raised by hitting up drug dealers? A lot of money, millions of dollars. An Alabama mercenary... They were prepared to die to the last man. I saw this in them. I saw the fire in their eyes and they made me their war chief. And a newly elected senator, John Kerry. We are looking at allegations of drug running, gun smuggling, conspiracy to commit murder and murder itself. He'll fight to free his client. The judge said, show me in a courtroom how we were at war. Expose an illegal war being run by the White House. I mean, I wanted him involved, but I didn't want to be on record as doing it. And somehow stay alive in the process. I just escaped a kidnapping by the CIA in Costa Rica. This is Lawyers, Guns, and Money. 
So you have a man in an Armani suit standing on the bow of a boat with a rocket launcher and says, if I lose sight of you, I will launch. You will be vaporized. Available everywhere starting October 29th. Or get it ad-free and early starting October 22nd at lawyersgunsandmoney.supercast.com. There you'll find bonus episodes along with exclusive content. Subscribe now.